Welcome to the Leading Men Podcast. I'm your host, James Haley. This podcast is dedicated to helping Christian men become better leaders at home and in the church. This week, we'll address the question, should you leave your church with Terrell Monger? We'll talk about self-reflection, the importance of church vision, and investing in youth ministry. Leading Men is a listener-supported podcast. If you enjoy this podcast, you can help us in a number of ways. First, you can subscribe for free on iTunes and give us a five-star review. Your reviews will increase our visibility and help us reach more men. You can share this podcast with your friends, family, and men's group. And finally, pray for me and this podcast that it will be a ministry that builds stronger men. A special thank you goes out to each one reach one for his five-star review. He says the podcast is awesome and that it's real talk for men trying to do it right. And now I want to talk. Welcome back, Pastor Terrell Munger, to talk about when is it time to leave your church? Terrell, welcome back to the show. Hi, I am so happy to be here. And on this topic, oh, yes, I am here. I oh. am here. All right. Glad you're excited because I am. One of the first things I want to talk about before we get into when it's time to leave your church. First, I want to talk about taking a look at yourself first, because there are times when your people are upset and they're really there to the problem. You need to look at themselves in the mirror. Right. Can you get into When's the time to take some little self-reflection first before you start blaming the church? Yeah, I mean, self-reflection is the most important thing. And uh, the best way, because it's hard for people to hear about themselves, number one. But the best way to help people let their environment uh, make them look at themselves is if you hear something more than two times, it's probably true. And, you know, a lot of us today especially like to think people are hating on us everybody's not hating on you. Some of it might be true. You might talk too much. You might be rude. You might be standoffish. Some of these things might be true. And if you take them in, they can actually help you. And to be honest, some people, friends, are enabling them to be uh, or act in ways that is sabotaging their own future. I tell people all the time, your ex-girlfriend, your ex-boyfriend, or your coworker at the office that don't like you can bless you if you let it. Some of the stuff they saying, your friend should be telling you. But since they don't care, they're telling you. So don't dismiss everything. Don't go jump off a bridge if they say it. But at the same time, don't miss everything. If somebody says some things about you, it's your opportunity to take it. Look at yourself and see what you can change before those little things turn into big things and make you miss opportunity. So that's the best thing of self-reflection. Always trying to find how can I be better today than I was yesterday. And it has to be something that you're dedicated to. If you're not that type of person, you're not going to hear what people say about you you're going to say they're hating on me right <laughs> are there any key things people should think about when they get ready to leave the church to say maybe it's me do i might want the wrong things in the church am i looking for the wrong things i'm asking the church to solve problems that i need to go to a doctor for what right. else kind of things yeah uh I, I will say one one of the hardest things for people to do is to make church their cure-all it's supposed to be the place that I find friends. It's supposed to be the place where everybody like me. It's supposed to be the place where everybody agrees with me. It's supposed to be the place where no matter how bad I'm feeling, I feel good after I leave. Well, if you put that much pressure on a church or any institution, if you put that much pressure on a marriage, you're destined to fail. 
as a marriage, as a friendship, as a relationship, that's the same way you have to view the church. Not only what am I getting from it, but what am I adding to it? Because a lot of times you get out of something what you put into it. If, if you don't put anything to a relationship, chances are you're not going to get much out of it or you're going to be single again. So it's the same way with the church. We can't always look at things that they need to do differently. First, you have to look at yourself. Am I happy anywhere first? Am I happy? Do I have a place where I am happy? And in that place where I am happy, what role am I playing in it? What am I contributing to make it what it is? So we can't put the pressure of a cure-all on a church. You wouldn't put it on a club, you know. You're not going to speak everybody in the club to always play your song and do things the way you want to do. Same way with a church. Uh, it's kind of like anything. You have to cultivate whatever it is, and you have to, uh, most of the time, you get out of a thing what you put into that thing. Right. All right. So when is it time to leave your, your church? <sighs> okay. Of course, there is no definite time that we can say it's time to leave the church. But uh, I, I would first like to ask the question, why are you at that particular church? Because we know a church is not a building. It, it's not a facility. It is a group of people. That's why the Bible says, forsake not the fellowship of the believers. It's a group of people that are believing for the same thing and working towards the same cause. So the first thing you have to ask yourself is, why am I here? What are we trying to accomplish together? What is our cause? What is our purpose? What is our vision? And if you see what the vision is, how do I play a part in this? How does this vision benefit? How does this vision benefit the community? How does it benefit my family? How does it benefit me? And if you have a vision and understanding why you're there, you can put up with maybe people having a bad day and being rude on a certain day. You can put up with people not playing the exact song you want to play. But if you already have issues, all they have to do is one do is do one thing wrong and you're ready to go. So I would say it is time to leave the church. When you see the vision or hear the vision and it doesn't line up with your life and it doesn't line up with your family and you can't see how you're going to make progress from year to year or maybe five years from now, maybe you are aligned with the wrong group of people, thereby being aligned with the wrong church. So that, that, that's what I would say. That word you just chose, vision, is very big with me, but mm -hmm. it's not big in a lot of churches. I mean... I don't think I even hear it in a lot of churches. Mm -hmm. We used to talk about a vision for a church. Tell me what that means. That means what is our why? What are we trying to accomplish? And I'm not saying, oh, we're together so we can please the Lord. That's the vision of every church in America. No, what is it specific for this group of people that we're together? Are we here uh, to develop young kids? Uh, are we here uh, to start a school? Are we here um, uh, to bring about social justice? What What is the reason we're coming together week after week? What What? What are the indications that we're making progress? What are the things we're doing that get, that's getting us a little bit closer? Because human beings are motivated by progress. And anything that we're a part of, if we don't see progress, we're going to lose interest. And then we'll say stuff like, well, the Lord's sending me to another place. Well, really, it's not the Lord sending you to another place. You see no vision. You see no purpose. So your vision is what are we looking to accomplish 
together. If a church does not have that, it becomes a dead thing because the Bible says where there is no vision, we perish. In other words, we die. In other words, we stop moving forward. We have no reason. And a dead church becomes a dead church because there is no vision that we can all can be a part of to bring to life. Now, when we talk about a dead church, it comes a lot of things come to mind for different people. Mm-hmm. In your vision, what does a dead church look like? A dead church is we did the same thing January 1st of last year that we did this year and we have accomplished nothing. You know, uh, there, there, there's no indication that we're moving forward. There's no indication that we're making progress. That we say the same scriptures every week. We stand up in front of the first of all, giving honor to God, who's the head of my life, and the pastor, members, and friends. And and it's almost like a regurgitation of things that I ate 15, 20 years ago and not making progress. There must be something personal. I'm getting something every week that makes me a better husband, a, a better wife, a better friend, a better coworker. You're teaching me how to save my money. You're teaching me how to start my business. You're teaching me how to, how to make progress in my career. Something said should not, it, it shouldn't uh, be over when I walk out of the church door. I should walk out of the church door ready to go do something to bring forth fruits. Because the Bible says you will know them by their fruit. If there is no fruit on the tree, the tree is dead. I want to go back to vision again. We have a, if your church, let's say your church doesn't have a vision or doesn't have a good one. Where does that vision come from? Should it come from the pastor? Should it come from members, combination? How, how does that work? It, um, it has to come from the pastor. The reason why is because the pastor is the most visible person and the strongest voice in the church. Everything he or she speaks from week to week must remind people and allow people to buy into whatever the vision is. If the pastor doesn't have the vision, the church does not have a vision. Because there's only so much the mother of the church can do. There's only so much that the youth leader can do. There's only so much that the head usher can do. The pastor has to keep reminding people because I don't care. Your vision could be just as clear. And, and, and let me make one point. The vision of the church is not a, a document that's hanging on the wall that you read every now and then. The vision of the church must be the embodiment of why you do what you do. If a person comes in and wants to get involved, you can explain to them what you're trying to accomplish. And I love what Albert Einstein said. He said, if you can't explain it simply, you don't know it well enough. So every church, every vision must have an elevator speech. Like for, for me, if I'm talking about my church, anybody that comes to my church know exactly what I'm trying to do. Number one, I wanted to create a safe place for people to grow. Everybody knows that about my church. When you come, I don't care what's wrong with you. I don't care how many issues you have. If you're going to fail, fail here, fail quickly so we can get you back in the game. Because what I want to do is I want to be a greater illustration of love. In other words, I want it to be visible what we believe. We want to uh, get to the point where we're doing stage plays. We're doing TV shows. We're doing movie production. We're doing things that can affect the masses because those who have influence have power. And if we don't have influence, we are powerless. And so if you cannot explain that simply, 
It's going to be hard for people to join in because we're just here to praise God. Well, I can praise God anywhere. I can praise God by myself. But when we get together, what are we trying to do? I've heard of situations where the pastor may have a vision, but they don't know if the people are ready to hear it or understand it. In your mind, is there ever a good reason for the pastor to kind of keep the vision under wraps, so to speak? Yeah, if the pa- if, if the pastor cannot freely articulate and share his vision, he does not have one. And I'm telling you, this is true. If any pastor is listening, go back to Jeremiah. Jeremiah told God, God, you have deceived me. Every time I speak, violence is proclaimed. My friends are waiting me to fall. Yet when I say I won't speak, I grow weary, weary and I cannot hold it in. It's like a fire shut up in my bones and I must speak. That's because that was Jeremiah. My vision, even though people hated him, he kept speaking. Even though his friends wanted to see him fall, he kept speaking. Even though he himself was tired of talking about it, even when it came up, he had to say something because vision speaks for you. It shows up in everything you do. It's a part of me. I do graphic design. I do video editing. I write books. I write plays. But the vision shows up in everything that I do. If you if you catch me in the hallway and ask me what you got going on this week, you better pack a lunch because we're going to talk a while because vision speaks for you. You don't have to force yourself to talk about your vision. Well, uh, I think God is calling me to. No, vision speaks for you. Even Jesus said it himself. He said, I only speak what my father gives me to speak. I only do what my father calls me to do. So Jesus was always speaking and always doing because God had given him a vision. And if it meant the Pharisees trying to kill him, if it meant the Sadducees trying to confront him, if it meant the Romans were against him, whoever it was, he was like, I'm going to die speaking and talking what is inside of me because vision will not shut up. If you ever get a revelation, of your own, there's nothing you can do to shut it up. It's going to speak for you. Is there ever a situation where a church is perfectly fine, has an awesome vision, but it's just not a good place for you? Yes, there, there is a place. I, I mean, even when people come to my church all the time, one accord, um, we, we, we do things differently. You know, we have a good time. We laugh. I even had somebody come. They was like, oh, man, you have such a powerful word. I love the way you speak. But you you, you crack too many jokes, and, and, and it makes uh, it makes people, it, it waters down the gospel. That's what they said. And I was like, well, this is not the church for you because I'm going to crack jokes. I'm going to have fun because that's what I do. And ask any of the young teenagers that come. They enjoy it. They love it. And they learn it because I don't make it a stuffy, stiff environment. It is sound doctrine. It is the word of God. But I have fun and I say it in such a way that people can remember it. Now, I am not offended when people don't want to be a part of it because I'm moving in my vision. If I let the people dictate what the vision is, the vision cannot be from God. And I end up following the people I'm supposed to be leading. So I am okay with people saying, hey, you have a nice church, but it's not for me. Thank you. You saved me trouble because if it is not for you, you're going to try to change every mind to be more about you than it is about the vision. And I'm going to have to clean that up later. So, yes, there is a possibility that a church has a vision. And they're making progress in it. And some people will just say, hey, this is not for me. And that is okay. 
And just to be clear, when you say it's not for them, it's not because something is wrong with them. It's just they need a different kind of church that has, still has a good vision, but just different from your style. Right. Yeah. They um, they uh, certain people get accustomed to certain things. I don't tune up at the end. I, I I could. I come from a singing family. I come from a preaching family. Yeah, they can get on that beach web and, and we can go ahead and, and go. But that's not what I do. I am a teacher. And at the same time, I like to have fun. I, I crack jokes here and there. But at the, end of the end, at the end of the service or at the end of the day, I want people to be motivated and excited about life. Now, could it be something wrong with them? It could be. Could it be something wrong with me? <laughs> it could be. But some, most of the time, it's nothing wrong with me. It's nothing wrong with them. It just does not fit. And so I don't talk bad about them, and hopefully they don't talk bad about me. But even if they do, it's people that have come to my church because people have talked bad about the church, and they wanted to see it for themselves, and they ended up joining and are some of the most active members. So I don't care. I'm like Paul. Whether you do it for right reason or whether you do it for wrong reason, it don't matter as long as the gospel is being spread. So tell everybody about it. Whether you think it's good or bad, keep on talking. You know what I mean? So. Let's say you had a situation where a couple visits your church a few times. One spouse loves it. Other spouse is like it's just not for them. Yeah. What do you say to them in that situation? I've even had I've had people do that, and I've had the spouse. Uh, and many times, um, it it's it's it it could be the woman and it could be be the man. But many times they would come to me and say, um, "I just I'm, I'm trying to figure out how to get my husband involved, or I'm trying to figure out how to get my wife involved." My answer is, "Don't do that." I don't care what I think of this church. I do not want it to divide your house. It's something you guys need to talk about together. It is not my job to convince your spouse, and it is not your job to convince your spouse. You have to come to the decision on your own, whatever it may be. And and even though they may like another church and you don't, you may not might like another church and they don't but you have to get to the point where you find what works for you both i just believe god is not the author of confusion he wouldn't give a passion and a vision to one person and tear the house apart and we call that god is there ever a situation where one spouse needs to go to one church another one needs to go to a different church or they need to be together now that's dangerous that's dangerous because what you got to understand is you're getting two different teachings um like me i'm a motivator i'm a if god gave it to you go get it and even if you fail you'll learn from it for next time that's the type of person i am and there might be another pastor that say well you need to be sure that you hear from god don't move until you hear from god you stand still until you hear from god and now here i am with my motivated go get it now type of message and there they are with a wait and hear from god message now you have division in the home because one person thinking, well my pastor said god is able to do above and beyond all that you're actually thinking we need to go and the other partner is saying wait on the lord for he shall renew your strength. He shall mount up with wings like eagles and fly. Both coming from the Bible, but two different perspectives. And if a home is getting two different teachings, it could cause problems in the home. I want to go back to children for me. You mentioned how your style is cracking jokes, and you see a lot of the teenagers love it. And I want to get back to that because Andy Stanley got had a little controversy a while back about talking about going to small churches, and I'm going to read a little bit about that from him. 
<clears throat> excuse me, that was in Christianity Today, Stanley says, when I hear adults say, well, I don't like a big church. I like about 200. I want to be able to know everybody. I say, you are so stinking selfish. You care nothing about the next generation. All you care about is you and your five friends. You don't care about your kids or anybody else's kids. If you don't go to a church large enough where you can have enough middle schoolers and high schoolers to separate them so they can have small groups and grow up, grow up in a local church, you're a selfish adult. Get over it. Find yourself a big old church where your kids can connect with a bunch of bunch of people and grow up and love and lo- love local church. Instead, you drag your kids to a church they hate, and then they grow up and hate the local church. They go to college, and and you pray that they will. I'm sorry, and you pray that they that there will there will be a church in college, in church town that they will connect with. Guess what? All those churches are big. Now later on, he apologized because he knew what he said was a little strong and. Kind of out of t- out of context if you don't not a member of his church, so he later on says the comments in question were directed in my mind at least at adult church attenders who are content are content to attend a church that is comfortable for them in spite of what it may mean to their children and the next generation. That's it. But I'm also aware that many, perhaps most churches, give little thought and designate very few resources to student ministry especially middle school ministry. The reality is student ministry isn't a priority for many churches, and that breaks my heart. What do you think about that? Um, That reminds me of um, when my sister first got married to her husband. Um, She had difficulties because he's a very accomplished doctor. He had to go to these big seminars and and she had to talk to other doctors' wives and, and it was uncomfortable for her because she wasn't used to that. She was like, I just want a good marriage where we can come home, we can watch TV and we can enjoy ourselves. I said, you're like a goldfish. If a goldfish stays in a small tank, it remains small. It remains small because goldfish will not outgrow the tank in which it is in. But you could take that same goldfish and put it in a larger tank, and it would grow larger because there is more room. Most people have the goldfish mentality. They want to stay in this small bowl. So they keep thinking small and they wonder why everybody's getting the opportunities. Everybody's getting the promotions. Everybody's getting uh, what they want out of life. It's because you choose to stay in this small bowl. But if you allow yourself to get into a bigger tank, well, it's more people to network with. It's more people to talk to. It's more people to challenge you. And if you're the type of person you always have to be the smartest person that's in the room, you're in the wrong room. You gotta be around some people that's talking about stuff that you don't know about, annuities and, and trust funds, and because expanding your tank allows you to expand the information. You can learn things that you didn't know, but if you're just there to be in a small tank so you can just get your word, and you can get your three points in a poem so you can break your heel and go home, you're gonna have problems. 
because in the bigger churches or in any bigger environment, bigger corporation, whatever, is more opinions, is more point of views, is more points for us to get to what we just talked about, self-reflection. Your little small group of people, your five people, they understand your flaws. They be like, oh, girl, that's just sharing. That's just how she is. But when you get into this big tank, they ain't saying that's just sharing. They saying that's rude. That's mean. You, you, you frown too much. And it challenges people. And you've got to be able to adjust because when you limit the rooms that you can talk in, you limit your mobility. You limit your opportunities in life. In this small church, you know everybody, you know what they do, and so no uh, new information comes in. And it's hard to make good decisions with bad information. You got to go into other environments where you can get more information, more perspectives, and you can expand your thought process. When you expand your thought process, you might mess around and expand your bank account. You might uh, mess around and expand your children's college fund. You might be able to mess around and expand your retirement fund and, and know about leaving in insurance for your children and not letting your insurance plan with your children die to be a GoFundMe account. You know what I mean? The more people you can be around, the more you can learn. And I'm not going to say it's selfish, um, but it is narrow-minded thinking. If it is a good environment, you're getting good information and, and you're around good people, take the chance and go over the number 200. Even if you got to start off with 250 on your way to 5,000. Keep trying to expose yourself to different things so you can have some different perspectives to create a different life for you and your family. How about this point about children's ministry? Do you see many churches putting a strong effort into children's ministries, especially middle school and high school? Yeah. Now, I do see quite a few that, that do that. Um, but at the same token, I see you know, a number that does not. Now, it is so important to me. And I guess the reason it's so important to me, I started off as a youth pastor. And because of my excitement, because of my creativity and the way I put things together, the youth ministry actually outgrew the actual church. On Bible study night, we have, you know, 80, 90 kids. We had to start having service at the school across the street from the church because we had nowhere to house all of these kids. I mean, some days we'll even bring a DJ in. You know, we, we did all the things we needed, but those kids were so excited. They were bringing kids in the neighborhood to Bible study that didn't even go to the church. And I believe that's what the gospel is supposed to do. It's supposed to go get those that are off track and create a environment where they can get on track so i know the importance of youth ministry and i i, I really do think if a, if a person wants to be a minister if a person wants to be in any leadership position in church i think it should be mandatory for them to spend at least about a month in the youth ministry so they can see the need that is there so they don't get so caught up in that deacon title or that usher title that they forget that there's a generation coming behind us. And a church that does not invest in its youth is a church that plans to die. I um, noticed a number of churches. I'm a district men's officer, so I get to talk to a lot of different people. And there's a common pattern I see with a number of churches where they have a few children that grow up in the church. I mean, this happened for generations where they have kids who grow, they grew up in the church up to about 18. After they're 18, they disappear. Obviously some of them go off to college, but in Memphis, you know, a lot of people in Memphis just stay around the area or come back on weekends. And a number of these churches, the kids don't come, the young people don't come back and that's it. They're gone. They may be Christmas, Mother's Day, Easter to visit with the family, but they're gone. Have you seen that pattern and what, 
causes that pattern in churches? Well, I was one of those kids that when I turned 18, I was gone. And the reason that I was gone, because what they were making important was not relevant in my life. We have to always do a, 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 a good job of making the gospel relevant. I mean, even if we can learn from Jesus, when Jesus was talking to the farmers, he was talking about sowing and reaping, a principle that they could understand that which a man soweth, that shall he also reap. And they was like, okay, I get that. We plant this and that grows. That, that's a good word, Jesus. But when he was talking to the masons, he was talking about building on a solid foundation and that uh, it was like a man who built his house on the sand. And, it, and when the house, uh, when the storm came, the house fell and, and, and great was the fall of it. And because the masons could understand that language then when he was talking to the people who worked in the vineyard he was saying that uh, thou art the uh, I mean I'm the vine and thou art the branches because they can understand it oh okay the vine is the thing that hold on and the branch as it grows off in different directions he talked according to the people that he was talking to the church has to get to a point where we can talk to the level of the people we're talking to we have to make church relevant to our young people and show he said therefore I speak in parables where hearing they don't hear and seeing they do not understand we have to speak oh oh you're changing the gospel you're becoming like them no you're not becoming like them crack a joke every now and then man talk about what's relevant on TV and then apply it to the gospel in such a way that they say hey I know what you're talking about now we may lose them we may not but at least we can say that after we've done all we can we can stand if we raise them and train them in the way that they should go when they grow old they're gonna come back they're gonna be good but we can't get so stuck in our ways that we want everybody to change for us but we don't want to change for anybody right i had one person submit me a question on facebook question was in your opinion why do not so much why should people go but why do people go to church and for that why, how does that affect their migration from different churches? Um, I will say, um, if, if you're asking the question, why do people go to church? If that is a question, if it wasn't for the gospel, I don't know why I would not lie. I don't know why I would not steal. I, I do not know why I wouldn't have a reason to gossip about my neighbor. Um People should go to church to get some sense of morality, some sense of moral foundation, and to get with like-minded people, you know, that can keep us on track. When you're up, maybe you can encourage me. When you're down, maybe I can encourage you. But to build a community of, community of people that are trying to get it right. A church should be a community of people. People shouldn't have to force their way into the church the church should be communal so you it is a part of who you are okay we don't just stay in the four walls we do picnics we do plays we do productions we go to college campuses we do things outside to make us relevant in the lives of people and not making people fit their lives into this building that we call uh the church so why should people go? People should go because I don't know how much good information you can get at the club. I don't know how much good information you can get at the crack house. I don't I don't know how much good information you can get in the break room at work. But I know a 
strong church should be a place where you can go to get some good information and with that good information you can make better decisions and if people don't go or have gone to the wrong church i can see that how they can get a different understanding in that yeah, that's the should but from what from you observe what are some of the reasons why people go to church aside from the should yeah well, if the uh, if if I ask the members of one accord, and that's really how I can gauge y'all, mm-hmm. they say it motivates them. They say it inspires them. They say every time they leave, they feel like they can go crash through a brick wall if they had to. It is a source of motivation. It it is a sense of family, you know. Because like I said, I wanted to create a safe place where people can grow. Not perfect people where you can make mistakes and know that you can get back up. So the people of one accord, they go to church for motivation. They go to church for reason to try harder in life. They go to church to find creative ways of how to maneuver through the business world, how to talk to their kids. They go for information at one accord. Mm -hmm. They go for information. How do I get some good information so I can make some better decisions? Although no one would probably ever admit this. Have you ever encountered people who basically go to church for entertainment? Oh, yes. Yes, man. I grew up in church, and it just used to frustrate the mess out of me to see people shout and jump and run and dance and still be sleeping with somebody's wife and still gossiping, still drinking, smoking on the parking lot. It used to frustrate me. I know we're human beings, but... If, if if your Holy Ghost can make you dance, but it can't make you come home to your wife after work, I'm concerned about your Holy Ghost. If your Holy Ghost can make you scream and shout and run, but it can't help you manage your finances where you stop getting your lights turned off, I'm concerned about that. And I just believe there's a practicality to the gospel that must be explored more than the entertainment side. Don't get me wrong. There is something entertaining about you. You, you don't want a boring teacher. You, you want a teacher that, that has PowerPoints or maybe teaching aids or things like that. Like me, I crack jokes. I, I'm, I'm not up there boring, but at the same time, people get the lighter side or get the entertainment side, but that's not what they come for. You, you, you know what I mean? And, and if you're coming just to be entertained, you might get upset when they start talking about are you being faithful to your wife. You might get upset when they start talking about um, – um, are, are, are you saving money for your kids? You, you might get upset when people start talking about um, we can't afford uh, another expensive habit like weed. Uh, you, I, you might get upset when people start talking about practical stuff if you're only there for entertainment. But I think it should be an engaging place and have some sense of entertainment or joy to it. But it should be more of a mechanism to upbuild, to encourage, to uplift. Say someone's listening now and they pretty much made up their mind after a little reflection that, you know what, I do need to leave my church. Mm-hmm. What are some of those next steps? Do they just go? They need to have a responsibility to talk to the pastor about some of their issues before they go. What are your thoughts on those next steps? Well, I would say this. Um, if, if you feel like you're at a church that has no vision or you don't know where you fit in the vision, um. I don't think you need permission to go. No pastor is going to say, well, not many pastors are going to say, hey, go. They're going to try to say, hey, well, why don't, why don't I put you a part of this? Or why don't I put you a part of that? Or, or they might give you a guilt trip. 
But it's just like if you're drowning in the ocean, don't let somebody give you a guilt trip to swim a little harder because you don't believe in your arms. You got to get to a point where you feel alive. You're not just tarrying to church and trying to make it through. Uh, you don't even have to leave immediately. Go into some different, visit some other churches first. Go into some different environments and see if there's some environments that encourage you, that uplift your family, that help, that helps the unit that you are a part of. It, it, it's not a drastic change, uh, but at the same time, you've got to see what else is in the world if you feel like you're not a part of something bigger than yourself. Guilt tripping is not a reason to stay at a church well you know my my great granddad is the one who laid the bricks for this church so i got to be here forever no you don't great granddad laid his bricks now it's time for you to go lay yours maybe you need to lay your bricks somewhere else but i would say how does this church add to my life and i'm not talking about uh miss odessa bringing a, a sweet potato pie on thanksgiving i'm talking about how does this make me a better husband better wife how does it make give me the information I need uh, to benefit my life or to move forward? If God wants me to have above and beyond, why am I still below and beneath? You know, and we have to start asking these questions. And it's just like a relationship. You got to take a chance. You might go through some separation anxiety. You might be afraid. You might be scared. But if you want to progress in life, you've got to get to a place that is motivating you, encouraging you teaching you and giving you tools where you can create the life that you want for you and your family so start visiting if you have to but if you stuck run as fast as you can man free yourself don't don't wait till you're 80 and start thinking about what you wish you would have did and if you ate it don't wait till you're 110 <laughs> i've heard um other people say you know it's great that you want a better children's ministry you ought to start that it's great that you want this men's Bible study. You ought to start that. You know, if you want, great that you want to learn more about handling yourself in corporate America and know more about finances. You need to start that class. What's your thought on that line of thinking? I cannot start a ministry that I believe in in a vision that I don't believe in. If you know the vision of the church and you know what the ministry is, you want to start where it fits in the vision for the church. Like for instance. If I have a vision to start an exciting youth ministry, but I'm in a boring church, does my vision fit with their vision? I mean, you've got to find, I mean, because a lot of people get, get discouraged like that. It make you feel like you're inadequate because they say, if you want it, you ought to start it. And then you can't start it. Maybe you're in an environment that's not conducive for it. What if you got a passion for a financial ministry to teach people how to get out of debt, but everybody comfortable being in debt at the church? You're going to feel like you're a failure, but really your ministry doesn't fit those people. If you're talking about investing in stock and everybody comfortable being on EBT, it's not going to fit. It's not something wrong with your ministry. It just it doesn't fit in that place. So you cannot start anything inside of something that you don't believe in that's just like us sitting in the big garbage can dumpster and you say i want something better than this and they tell you bring your steak and potatoes in the dumpster you're you gonna have a steak and potato but you're still gonna be in the dumpster where you don't want to be i want a nice spread with little candles on there with nice music playing in the background my steak just gonna taste a little bit better like that you know and, and we gotta look at 
if the environment is not conducive for me, the ministry I create is probably not going to be conducive for the environment. You got any final thoughts for the listeners? Um, I, I will say this. If you find yourself constantly complaining about your church, it is time to leave your church. That is an indication. You're out of abundance of the heart, the mouth speak. Listen to what you're talking about. If, if, if you don't want to invite anybody to your church, you probably don't need to be at the church. If you're not excited about your church, you probably don't need to be at the church. If there's nothing there that brings life and you're just complaining and you're negative, you'll do a better job leaving the church than messing up or corrupting the people that want to stay at that church. All right. For the people listening, they want to find out a little bit more about you. How do you do that? Oh, there's several ways. You can go to www.withoneaccord.com. That's the number one, www.withoneaccord.com. Or you can go see some of the nice productions and books and plays and videos that we do at www.inspirememphis.com. That's www.inspirememphis.com. Keep up with what we're doing. Hey, you might be in one of our next plays or one of our next productions. Uh, who knows? But if nothing else, come visit. You might like it. You might leave out of there getting your wands up. Yeah, come come up in there and you'll see what that means to get your wands up. All right. All right, Terrell. Thanks, man. Thank you. That was Terrell Munger from One Accord Ministries in Memphis, Tennessee. I know this topic will stir strong feelings for many people. Did Terrell confirm what you've been feeling for years? Did he cause you to look at your church in a different way? Or do you disagree with his points on leaving the church? Please let us know by emailing us at contact at leadingmennow.com. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to take a few seconds to provide a five-star review on iTunes. You can also follow us on SoundCloud, Twitter, and Facebook at Leading Men Now. And let's continue the conversation with the hashtag Leading Men Now. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next week.